Sunday Golds from Truist Field here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Aria Masudi and Brett Nevitt, a Florida State baseball podcast, and the regular season has concluded for the Seminoles. Brett, the Knolls 32-22 and after a sweep on the road against the North Carolina Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. They made a short drive down to Charlotte here on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina. And before we touch on really the regular season for FSU, we've got some fan questions we want to answer kind of project the postseason for the Seminoles. Man, this is uh, one of the more beautiful venues in baseball, especially the AAA Charlotte Knights, who are of the Chicago White Sox farm system. And, man, we walked into the park today, and this skyline, the backdrop, it doesn't get better than this. Yeah, this place is pretty awesome, and um, it's a good refresher to get up here and watch some baseball, you know, watch some games that you don't have to work and you can just watch. Uh, Pitt GT playing right now. Um, you know, we just watched Pitt – have an eight-run inning, and Arya, you know, was a little kid running after a home run. Didn't get the ball. He's too slow, but I think we'll have a good time here this week. I think in my defense, the ball was nowhere near me and ended up in the stands, not on the concourse behind the stands. So I just want to defend myself on that one, but I think Brett's right. I think a couple years ago I might have got to that ball. Uh, Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh are playing right now. Mike Bell, former Florida State pitching coach, leading the Panthers it's been a back and forth affair and so uh, we apologize if you can kind of hear it behind you and, and over the PA system but we are live from the park right now we don't have mics we don't have an advanced editing system or, or audio board so we just wanted to get this to you raw and uh, just chat with you guys for a little bit um, it was a disappointing weekend I, I think that might be the understatement of the season that was uh, depending on where you stand infuriating nauseating uh, all sorts of things um the Knolls get swept by the Tar Heels. Brett, they had a chance to host a regional. Uh, that's been 99% now, I think, put to bed. I don't think Florida State will be hosting a regional anymore. There is an outside shot. We'll talk about that if the Seminoles can get back into the conversation with a big week here in Charlotte. But, man, Brett, I was working softball most of the weekend, and that was disappointing on its own right. But you were able to pay attention to all three games. That was That was tough. Yeah, that was a nightmarish weekend all around, nightmarish week all around. I mean, you get walked off on Thursday after getting walked off two days before, I mean, not even 48 hours before, in a completely different state. Um, you know, really your most dominant arm on the mound, the guy that's been the most dominant arm for you for most of this season out of the bullpen. And, you know, I thought it was the right call to go to him there and stick with him there. But, um, and, you know, the next two days was just bad. Um, not much else into it Saturday it just it just didn't look like a team that wanted to be there quite frankly um I mean absolutely no energy it just I mean it, there was just nothing to that Saturday game for FSU it was just kind of a team sleepwalking it looked like once Bryce came out of the game and he didn't have a great day um and did what he did you kind of knew that that was just how that game was going to go and um you know the way it finished too was it, it's just it's it's not a good sign to me um, when you're kind of that lifeless. But, um, you know, hopefully postseason play does give some life back into you. You get into a new arena, you, you, you play in these tournament-type things, and, um, you know, it just means more, I guess. And hopefully there's, you know, get that life back into you. But, man, this weekend was, yeah, that was the first time I've really just been, I couldn't watch it anymore. It was just bad. I think Saturday was the one for me that was disheartening because, you never want to see a team that just kind of takes it and accepts, 
you know, that this isn't our weekend and we're not going to fight for anything. And I did think the first two games, Florida State gave great effort, especially the first game. You're one pitch away, Brett, right? You're one pitch away from getting a, a road series opening win, a game that you probably would have considered a steal the way that that game started. You came all the way back. Credit Jaime Ferrer, James Tibbs, those guys for coming up with big hits. And then Crowell, uh, I was talking to somebody who asked me, well, would you have kept Crowell in there? What were your thoughts? Um, for me personally, and then Brett, we'll go back to you. That's, that's acceptable in my opinion. I, you know, you tip your cap to Osuna for, for the walk-off. I didn't love the how many straight sliders in a row it seemed like we threw. I know that's one of Crowell's best pitches, and uh, maybe the coaching staff thought that Osuna would be sitting on dead red on a full count or whatever it was at the point, and, and he would go yard. But it was clear Osuna for North Carolina was sitting on the slider, and he didn't throw a fastball one time with a kid who can hit 96-97 on the gun. Um, but as far as the decision goes, I was okay with it. It didn't bother me as much as Armstrong being in against Florida there late. That's your best bullpen arm over the last month and a half. That's been your guy. So if you lose with your guy, I think you go to sleep at night and you say, they beat us, not – Oh, we helped them with a a poor decision. So game one, though, I thought, though, when they lost like that, Brett, um, I thought it really took the wind out of their their sails from the week they had before. Yeah, so, you know, once they put Wyatt into the eighth, I think it was really the only decision that you could make there to to keep Wyatt in the game because Wyatt's not a kid that bounced back. He doesn't bounce back great. He's not one of those kids that has, you know, sort of a rubber rubber arm or something like that. It's, you know, he's kind of a a once-a-weekend type. Um... You know, White wasn't his best, but, I mean, his stuff was still on. I mean, he still had his velo. The slider was still good. Um, but, you know, like you said, probably won too many sliders. But, you know, end of the day, if, if, if White backfoots that slider to Osuna, he's probably swinging and missing on it. Um, and it still wasn't a bad pitch, I didn't think, but he was obviously sitting on it. Um, you know, I thought it was a little down in the zone. And the kid just kind of hooked it out of there, golfed it out of there. Um, I mean, we never know what happens if White throws – the fastball there, the thing with that, I mean, he had been struggling to locate the fastball a bit in this outing for the first time in a while, which is why I think they didn't want to go to it. But, you know, he still had an open base. Um, but decision-wise, I mean, I, I just think there's – there's. I know a lot of people complained about Wyatt facing so many righties, but like I've said a lot of times this year, FSU doesn't have an arm that's a righty-righty guy. I mean, Davis Hare is a righty-lefty guy for the most part. He can get righties out for sure, but – there's really no reason to take Wyatt out there. He's very good against righties when he gets the fastball in under the hands. Um, but he just couldn't get the fastball there. Um, he look, looked like he left it up and away a lot, like like Bryce was on, on Saturday, I thought. Yeah, and so you lose game one. I really thought back-to-back walk-offs in the week was really tough. I think more um, for, the, for the moral, what do you want to call it? The, uh, what's the right word here? I'm, I'm missing it right now. Oh, team morale. I'm yeah. trying to say morale, and I'm trying to – morals coming out of my mouth. No, morale for the team was, was a struggle bus, I thought, the rest of the weekend. And then they come out Friday. You got your horse on the mound and Parker. I didn't think that was Parker's best start. It's two weeks in a row where I don't think he's been as sharp as we've seen Parker Messick. Um, I know, Brett, you have your theories on it, but um, you did get the two-run lead in the first, and your offense came out ready to play. Uh, and then after that, you gave up the lead – and I thought it was like trying to climb back in. Credit to Brock Mathis for getting a big home run. I thought the guys, again, gave great effort, and I, I thought they were trying. It's just 
they haven't been able to match great pitching and great hitting together very consistently this season. That's what game two felt like to me. And then obviously the big bomb at the end. I didn't understand Dylan Simmons being brought into the game there in a two-run game. I just, I'm not sure what the thought process was, but obviously coach must have liked a matchup that he saw, something that, that Simmons throws against a, a hitter, but he gives up a grand slam, and at that point the game's over, and you've been blown out. Yeah, um, going back to Parker, because, you know, <clears throat> I'll start there, but, um, you know, obviously it wasn't Parker's great, but that's because Parker's great is, is it's different, it's different, but I mean, Parker still grinded it out, and, and he gave you a quality start, six innings and three earned runs, uh, I know the strikeouts weren't there, and he, he walked a couple people. Um, but, I mean, he just, he just grinded it out, and that's what you want on the road. You want to keep your team in the game, and that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, they just couldn't get timely hits. They couldn't, you know, put it all together. The defense was bad, I thought, this game. Um, you know, I thought B-Rob had a good game. I thought IP had a good game leading off. Um, he let off a couple – you know, was in the lineup a couple times this weekend. Um, you know, Ross – Really struggled defensively um, with, you know, the bunt. Throws it into right field. They score a run on that. And, you know, I talked about last week, I think, you know, we've talked all year about how good Ross can be, and he's going to look like the best arm sometimes. But I was a little worried that they were going to rely too heavily on him after just one really good outing out of the bullpen. Um, and Because we still don't really know we're going to get long-term and consistently in one or two inning stretches for Ross. Um, and then, like you said, I didn't understand going to Dylan. And that was more so because, I mean, you, at, at what point do you use Davis Heron this weekend? Um, it's the eighth inning. You're only down by two. You have one out, two runners on, a righty coming up, and then a switch hitter coming up. Um, <clears throat> I don't really know why they didn't go to Davis all weekend. Davis is a guy that needs work. Meet said that at BC. When, when we were up 8-0 at BC and, and, and Davis hadn't thrown all weekend yet, he threw there in the ninth inning instead of a young arm because – Meet said he needed work. He's a guy that has to have work every weekend, but he never had work all weekend. And there were spots they could have used him in, but they never did. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little weird. I still don't think we have – I still don't really know what what we're doing with arms long term. It's it's not the best situation right now. Yeah, again, it's just – for me, there's just question marks on who is it that you trust? What is your plan? What – what do you want to do with the arms, right? Like, they, there's clearly talent on that staff. There's clearly guys that have excelled in certain roles. But you're getting to the final weekend series, final week, and you've got guys who still aren't 100% sure when they're going to be brought in and what they're being asked to do. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's just a pitching thing either, really. I, I, I mean, the thing that didn't make sense to me all weekend was – you know, in this game, Brock Mathis hits his home run, um, and then he gets pulled out the next inning when you're still down one for defense because UNC brought in a righty arm after his home run. But the next time that, that Brock's spot in the order came up, um, you know, it was a lefty pitcher, and Terrell had to be pinch hit for by another lefty hitter. Um, that's where you want Brock hitting, but you took him out too early, and then you don't have him for that spot. Um, you just doing things that contradict each other um it's just yeah i mean i don't i just don't know what to say sometimes about the moves but um it is what it is and um you know i thought they did a good job of getting brock in some good positions uh, against arms that are real good matchups for him i really like brock against 
you know, those slower thrown lefties or crafty lefties that, that throw a lot of breaking balls in that because Brock's good at, um, I think he's good at diagnosing those things and also jumping on some slower fastballs that are in the zone, especially um, from kids like Schaefer. Um, I thought that was just a really good matchup for him and he, he exploited it. Yeah, so you lost the series and going in to that weekend, I think you needed two of three to feel good about hosting a regional and not only did you lose two or three, you got swept. And, and Saturday's game, to me, is inexcusable just because I think it, like I said, uh, you, can't, you can't quit. And it felt like a lot of, it felt like the team quit as a collective. I'm not going to say single guys who, the, who I think they might have been or if, if I'm right or wrong on that. But as a collective, I don't think the energy was there Saturday. I think the guys just kind of accepted their fate on the weekend. It was clear North Carolina was at least appeared to be playing for more in their dugout than then Florida State looked like they were. And you just can't go out there and get beat 11 to nothing, right? Like this baseball team is far too talented to be going out anywhere and be getting beat 11 to nothing. I think, Brett, was that one of the things we talked about early in the season? We said this team won't get blown out often just because of the arms that it has. Um, And if it does happen, it's because something went horribly wrong. And I just think it's it's disrespectful to, to how hard some of the players have worked to their families even, uh, to the fan base that shows up every week and is tuning in, to the fans that showed up at Boschimer Stadium in Chapel Hill, to the fans that are about to show up at Charlotte. Like, you can't go out there and quit on a game, right? Like, you're playing for more than yourself, and I just didn't like it. That was, the first t- that was really the first time all year I was truly disappointed in that locker room, in that dugout. Not because of the way they played, but because of the way they showed up to compete, and I just didn't see it. Yeah, I thought this game was eerily similar to the Stetson game, and I think everyone knows my thoughts on that Stetson game and how embarrassing that was. Um, you know, I didn't think this was as embarrassing because, you know, you were in the game a little bit early, left some runners on base. The thing that can't happen is Bryce can't do what Bryce did. Um, I mean, just no command, and I know they said he doesn't have a rosin bag, and it was bad communication on their end that he didn't have a rosin bag, and you know, he was all sweaty, and he couldn't get a grip of the ball. But, man, you're, you're basically a second ace on a staff. Your team's, got, your team's trying to salvage a series. You've got to tough that out. I, I mean, I think he was looking at the dugout and literally saying, like, I can't do this. Like, I can't get a grip of the ball. You know, if you don't have a blister, if it's just sweat that's your issue, Bryce is going to pitch again in North Carolina in the same state at 3 o'clock in the afternoon this week. So, I mean – is sweat going to be any different there? Is sweat going to be any different in Florida or any of these states where you play a regional game in the afternoon? You, just, you got to toughen down a little more than that, I think. And he just, I mean, he hits two batters on first pitch, I think breaking balls in the back in the second inning, walks the other guy, and I think, you know, at a full count, slowed the bases, and his day is done. Um, only got three outs. You can't keep getting these starts from your starters. I mean, Carson only got nine outs and gave up four runs in the first inning. Um, Bryce only got three outs, and he gave up three runs on his line. Um, you know, Connor Whitaker was huge this weekend. I mean, he, I think he only gave up one run in seven innings out of the pen. He threw 30-some pitches on Thursday, and he went back and threw 50-some pitches on, on Saturday. One, I don't love using a freshman that much in a weekend, but he did the job. And I think at this point, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what else Connor Whitaker has to do to start a game. Um, you know, I know we've said he's pretty valuable to the bullpen, but at this point – you're getting too many empty starts for the bullpen to even matter. You've, 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 started, you've got to start getting some more quality starts from your starters at this point. It's, 
you can't keep going down this road. You're not going to be able to stay on script at all if, if, if this keeps happening. This past weekend, you had one start that was competitive, right? I thought you, you expect that from Parker, though. Even on the days that Messick doesn't have his A game, I think he's going to battle and, and kind of hunker down and, and try and get you deep into a ball game, even if it's, you know, he gives up four runs. The kid's going to try and save your pen the best that he can. Uh, there was something he did this weekend that really impressed me, and I had never seen it before. He called a mound visit, it looked like, for the infield to all come in. And he was talking to each of them like they were in a huddle. And it was like a linebacker. I know he played football back in his high school days. But he was trying to reassure each and every one of them. It wasn't a coach who came out. None of the players seemed to be really leading that, uh, the infield players. It was Parker Messick. And I think it came right after an error early in the game that Parker kind of brought everybody in and wanted to chat. I I respect him even more for that. That is a leader and the vocal leader of your clubhouse. Uh, But that kid is is really special. But even he is going to have to take a step forward, I think, over the next couple weeks to get you to where you want to get ultimately in this season. Uh, Big picture, like you said, Brett, you can't have Carson Montgomery and Bryce Hubbard not being able to give you anything. I personally, I I think they'd be better suited to move Carson out of the rotation again and let him be in the bullpen. I'm not sure if they'll do that this week in in, uh, Charlotte or how deep Florida State plays if those decisions come up. Uh, But going into postseason, I I would really like to see uh, Connor Whitaker or Jonas Scalaro, um, even Wyatt Corral. I know that's lower on the the totem pole of guys you want to see start because of how valuable he is in other areas, but they've got to try something else, in my opinion, as a starting pitcher. that's just my personal thought, Brett. Yeah, I didn't really understand a whole lot starting Carson Thursday. Um, look, I know what Carson's potential is. I 100% believe in Carson's stuff. 100% believe in Carson's future and where he can go and how good he can be. But I, I don't know how many times he needs to show you this year that he's not ready to start on the weekends. Um, I mean, has he had one real good weekend start yet? I mean, I thought BC, he looked good and, and had a good line and could have had a better line if it wasn't for some defense. But, you know, he still got gave up a lot of hard contact. I mean, in four ACC starts this year, he's given up, I think, in 10.2 innings. He's only given you 10.2 innings with four starts. I mean, that's not what you need. He's, only, he's given up, I think, 15 hits in those 10.2 innings. He's given up three home runs, four doubles. That's seven extra base hits in 10.2 innings. Um, what are batters hitting off of him? In ACC play, I think they're hitting 306 off of him. Yeah, it's really high. Or, you know, a little over 306 if you take out the one save against um, Louisville, I believe, because that was point two of the innings in his ACC play. But, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just it just feels like they're very stubborn about some things, about having some guys in certain spots, in spots where guys are not unsuccessful and other guys aren't getting opportunities in those spots to show them that they, they can be successful there, which is frustrating to me. It's just, I just, it's, we're doing the same things over and over again that aren't successful, and it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I really don't want to talk about North Carolina too much more. I don't know if there's anything else you really want to touch on. I just, it was a very frustrating weekend to watch. I, I didn't think North Carolina was a particularly elite baseball team. No. Um, they had a good lineup, especially in the uh, front, you know, the upper five. The top five in their order was phenomenal. But that's not a team you should get swept by. And very realistically, you could have won the series. And I was talking to somebody the other day, Brad. If they win game one, you just wonder 
how the rest of the series goes for them if they can just find a way to shut down North Carolina in that bottom of the ninth inning and I think, I, I think one pitch right like if it's one pitch different how does the rest of the weekend go I obviously it's a whole different weekend right but 2020 hindsight you right. know the whole saying so uh, we move forward um, just Jaime was very very good this weekend it was the home run he hit was insane yeah was I don't crazy. know what the metrics were on it but it went over a 40 foot scoreboard which is impressive in left center field so. He continues to be good. I thought Tibbs was pretty strong again this weekend. He, he continues to show you the talent. I want to see Trayton Rank play much more. I would like that. Uh, Logan Lacey started to make better contact. Keep an eye out on that. I don't know what they're going to do at first base, Brett. I just – Terrell's not really giving you much at the plate at all right now. And I mean, like, in no facet. It's – I don't know. I, I like the kid a lot. You know, Terrell's a good dude. I think he brings a lot to the clubhouse in terms of personality – Leadership, he's been around the block, but at the end of the day, you've got to produce, right? Like you're in this lineup to produce, and what is he like, one or two for his last whatever? It's just, I feel like you go up there and there's a bunch of O for fives and a bunch of O for fours with multiple strikeouts, and I don't know. You tell me, Brock. You, I mean, Brock got a chance to play first, hit a home run, but defensively it wasn't clean. I don't know. Yeah, I think you just need to platoon them. Um... And I think you, we might not even see Brock start. I mean, we might not, we might not even see Alex start these two games. And it, you know, if, if Notre Dame and UVA go with the arms, we think they might go, both lefties. Um, then you'll probably see Brock both games. But, um, yeah, Alex is just – he is what he is. He is what he is. He's going to K a lot. He's, he's got some pop in the bat. And this is a place where you are going to need to homer because it, it's a hitter's ballpark, and other teams are going to get some. That's just how it works here. The ball flies. Um, you know, you're down low. It's just it gets down to here in a hurry a lot of the times. But um, yeah, I just Alex. It just seems like he's back in that funk where he's just swinging over a lot of changeups. Um, you know, didn't get a ton of AVs this weekend, but was 0 for four or three Ks in the one game he started. Um, the game that he came in on Friday, or a couple times, it seemed like he was a bit out of place on bunt plays or or you know slow rollers. Um, I mean, that's been an issue with this team all year. We still can't. We still can't do bunt plays right. They still can't, you know, hit relays. They can't do. They can't cut off mans. It's it's stuff that we've been talking about. I think since the start of April that we said, you know, this stuff needs to get improved, or else at some point it's going to come back to bite you. And I think those things, a little bit of those things, especially on Friday, that second game late in the game, I thought got you really good before that grand slam. Yeah, and again, I mean, I just I don't have a lot of answers. This team is, I just. I don't think it complements each other well. And there are areas that, you know, we've seen that they've improved in at times this season. But, again, base running, fielding, for whatever reason, Brett, for whatever reason, away from Tallahassee, we watch a different baseball team every week. The, the team I see at Hauser can make Omaha. And I'm not just saying that like we've seen it once. We've seen it numerous times. I've seen them play at a very high level numerous times. Which is what makes this so much more frustrating is when you go on the road and you're 6-14, and 14, I want to know what it is about playing at Hauser. And it's not a short porch in right field. And I know the crowd makes a difference, but that's, those are soft factors, in my opinion. What is it about the mentality of this team that plays well at home and it's such a stark contrast when they leave Tallahassee? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't really know. I don't know. If, I don't know if there's one answer. I mean, there's probably a lot of answers to that, um, a lot of different varying reasons. But 
Um, I mean, someone asked Mike Martin Jr. that today at his press conference, and he just said, I, I, I don't know. If, 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 I, if I knew, I would fix it, but it, it, it's not it, – there's just – they don't – there's not really an answer to that question, I don't think. It's just – I mean, it's weird because last year you were not very good at home and you were great on the road. I think FSU won most of their series on the roads last year. Um, but it's just yeah, – it's – I mean, Clemson weekend was – really nightmarish and and this was probably even more um yeah it's just not been a fun season to watch these road games at all um a lot of games where they've just crumbled late and it's it's it gets tough to watch at times all right last big picture thing before we move into more detailed postseason thoughts and where this team needs to go 32 and 22 in the regular season you did have two cancellations so you didn't play a full 56-game slate. You went 15-15 and 15 in ACC play. Uh, Brett, is that acceptable in your opinion for a Florida State baseball program? No. I, don't, I mean, you were, you were ACC preseason favorite coming into the year. And so, I mean, that shows you that a lot of people looked at your roster. All these coaches in this league looked at your roster and went, oh, oh crap, I don't want to play FSC this year. That's a team loaded with pitching. It's got a couple bats. It's... You know, it should be an approved team from last year. And, it, you know, in ways it was and in ways it wasn't. Um, it never found consistency. It never found – I mean, there was never consistency with arms or never consistency with the bats, the lineups, never consistency with fielding. Um, it's just – I think it's, 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 it's really disappointing to me. I just think this team – I mean, obviously they could still go and do something, but regular season-wise – it just it, it didn't get the job done the way I thought it would and the way I think a lot of people thought it would. Um, like you said, I think the biggest thing is it's just it's never complimented. This team's never, you know, when the hitting's not going right, the pitching is going right. But when the pitching is going bad, then the hitting's not going right. Or it's it, it, it besides one weekend against Louisville, it just it just feels like it never really came together. Um, and maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it can come together at this point. But after last weekend at UNC, it, it's really worrisome that that. You know, there's a potential that some guys are checked out. But, um, you know, we hope not and hope that at some point this thing can come together because I still think that with the arms you have, just the talent of those arms, there's still all the potential in the world. Yeah, I just don't think you can be a 500 ACC team, right? Like, the pedigree that this program has, the respect that it's earned over the years, the tradition that it has, being 15 and 15 – that, I mean, they were 16 and 14 last year. What were they like? Well, uh, it was a different last year because of the COVID year. Yeah. But to me, it's basically your two years in a row where you're really just kind of a mediocre ACC program. You, you're good. You've been good. You're not great. I know this conference is phenomenal, but a lot of programs are outperforming you. Programs that I don't think should be outperforming you. Now, like you said, Brett, they could turn it on in the postseason. And that's what our hope is because regular season is one thing, but you're not remembered for what you do in the regular season. You are remembered and judged by what you do in the postseason, right? And so this team now has an opportunity. You hope as they flip the script and all the records go back to 0-0 and you're really playing survive and advance ball at this point that maybe the Knowles figure something out. We've said all year long that we feel like this roster was best made for postseason, um, but that's going to have to apply this week and into the NCAA regionals. 
So um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested to see what they do because they've got two really important matchups out here in Charlotte. And then obviously, depending on what regional they're placed in, um, they're going to have to go out there and, and rely, I think, on especially those first two guys who throw in Messick and, and Hubbard to kind of set the tone for the rest of the weekend and the rest of the regional. Yeah, for sure. And I just went back and checked. FSC was 20 and 16 in ACC play last year. Um, so you did take a bit of a step back this year. You know, the one thing about this season in the ACC is it's probably the deepest the conference has ever been. Um, maybe the best it's ever been. It's just there's so many teams. You look up and down. I mean, we're here. I mean, every team's got you know, loaded lineups, it feels like. And every team's got an arm or two that throws gas. Um, it's just it, it, there's a lot of talented players in this league this year, and a lot of that's because of COVID and the deeper rosters and everything like that. So, but at the end of the day, FSU missed, you know, wasted a lot of opportunities, so many games, lost in extra innings, walk-offs, this and that, and unearned runs. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Parker and Bryce are the two biggest components for me. You know, they, they, can, be, they can be some tone setters. I mean, Bryce can come out there tomorrow and, you know, absolutely shove against – UVA and then Parker shoves against Notre Dame when you move on and you feel like you're completely rejuvenated if that happens. Um, at the end of the day, you've you got to score runs. I mean, you, you, it's time to find a consistent lineup. It's, you, you, we, you've you've got to go – you've got to get one lineup set now. You've got to have your main guys. You've got to have your guys you trust and to go get runs. You, I mean – you know, I think you need Brett Roberts to be what Brett Roberts can be. You need Alex Terrell to start um, hitting some homers again. Um, and you need Logan Lacey to, to keep trending in the direction that he's trending. I thought Aria made a good point, saying that he had good swings this weekend. Um, he had a lot of hard-hit balls. Uh, I think he had two flyouts to the warning tracks that both balls may, may have gotten out on a different day. Um, so it was good to see that. Um, but, yeah, you just got to get you got to get more runs at the end of the day. And, you know, we don't really know who we're going to see under the bullpen in certain times, but more so than anything, you need your bullpen to throw strikes. And that's been a big issue lately, I think, is just putting guys on base, free bases with, you, with your pitching. Um, you, you just need, you're going to need a lot of guys to step up in a lot of areas and start to perform at their highest level because, you know, we still feel like a lot of guys haven't reached that highest level yet. So hopefully they can get there soon. Yeah, I know we've had some RPI questions and postseason questions. Uh, Let's give you a quick update on that. Florida State is 29th in the RPI, and, I mean, that's an absolute free fall from where they were a couple weeks ago. That's not going to get you a hosting spot. Uh, What's that strength of schedule, we'll say, Brett? Three. That's excellent. Uh, Still got a lot of wins, right? 15 top 50 RPI wins. The metrics are still solid, but your RPI really took a hit, and that'll happen when you lose four games in a row. Um, but, yeah, they're not – right now, a regional host is pretty much dead. I would say 99% chance Florida State's probably not going to host a regional. You probably can start planning for the Knolls to be somewhere in the southeast. Um, there is – you know, I said 99%, which means there's a chance, and that chance would be you have to sweep – out here in Charlotte and win the ACC title. At that point, I think your record would be 36 and 22. RPI is probably what, in 15 to 17, maybe higher. Your strength of schedule might be pushing towards number one, depending on you know who you get in the semis. And in the championship game, you'd have what, 19 or so wins against the RPI top 50. I think at that point, 
coupled with the high-end series wins the Seminoles got this year, I think there will be a conversation for the committee to compare Florida State to other schools and to see. Um, again, the bubble for the uh, regional hosting spots this year is kind of weak. A lot of teams don't – I mean, not, not a lot of programs have solidified themselves as hosts, and that's, that's good if you're Florida State because that means you'll be in the conversation. Again, I want to reiterate, there is not a very good chance Florida State hosts a regional this year. Um, and there's not a very good chance that they go out here and they win four games. But if they do, you're going to go through some juggernauts, right? Virginia, Notre Dame, those would be insane quality wins for you this week. Virginia is also trying to lock up a, a host site in, in Charlottesville. Um, and then if you get Virginia Tech in the ACC semis and you beat the ACC regular season champions to get to the title game and then you win that, I think you've had maybe the, the best conference tournament week of, of anyone in college baseball. And you would only add to the enigma that has been your season where it's like on your worst weeks, you look awful. On your best weeks, you look like an Omaha team. And Brett, if they win four games this week, I think the conversation you and I will be having on Sunday would be ridiculous. But someone asked me, can you please paint a picture of what it would take? And I basically just had to give you something that's shooting for the stars. But here we are. Yeah, I think if you get to the championship game and lose it, you'd be on the fringe of the bubble or maybe on the bubble of hosting. If you win it, I think you, I mean, I think it's hard for I think it would be hard for them to keep you out of regional hosting just with the situation this year and so many small schools and, and you know, just some, a lot of teams that haven't solidified anything. Um, but, you know, if you go 0-2 this weekend, um, you're really risking putting yourself close, close to the bubble or something if, 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 if you know, some teams steal bids in, in some of those small leagues. Um, you know, teams, it's just like basketball and you know, the team that you don't expect to wins the tournament and steals a bid. Um, I mean, if you're 0-2 at this tournament, you, you're 32-24 and 24 in the year. Your RPI probably drops to mid-30s. You're under 500 in conference play. I'd be a little worried. I'd be a little worried on decision day that you'd be on the bubble. I don't know if you'd yeah. be out, but I think you'd be at least close to the bubble, if not on it. You're one of the final... 10 teams being considered, right, for those four spots. Now, you might be safe on the high end of the 10 teams. I'm just saying. Well, my, my big worry if you lose both games here is. You're 15 and 17 in the ACC. The com- well, and yeah. the committee goes and looks and sees L6 going into postseason. Six straight losses going into the postseason. Is that a team that is really one of the better teams in the country right now? Probably not if they're lost six straight games. But, Man. um you know, the thing that's going to hold you up more than anything is your strength of schedule, and that's what it was built to do, to try to test you and to, you know, give you a good standing for postseason play. But um, you got to win some games here at, the, at this last stretch of the year. Isn't that funny that we're talking about potentially missing can, the yeah, tournament or hosting a regional? Like, what a wild – It's yeah, – it's, That's a paradox on its own, man. Yeah. It's crazy, and I, I tend to think even if you go 0-2, you're going to sneak in by the skin of your teeth. But the fact that you're in this position, none of us saw 0-4 this past week. I don't think anyone thought Florida State would get swept by North Carolina and lose to Florida. I think that was... I, I also think some of the projections are a bit ridiculous and straight-up guessing. I mean, I don't understand how FSU goes from 12, uh, the, 12, the 12th national host to 
they lose three games and they're a three seed. I, I mean, I know you're projecting, but like what? I don't know. It's just a lot of guessing going on right now. I think. I think you're just going to need conference tournaments to give you a lot of clarity going into the weekend. For sure. Uh, Florida State plays two games out here, three o'clock and three o'clock on Wednesday, Thursday, and it's maybe the toughest pool, the toughest pod in this tournament. You got Virginia. And you got Notre Dame. And Notre Dame and Virginia both are regional host-type teams right now. Virginia's probably trying to lock that one up if they can um, with a big week for themselves. Uh, but it's uh, two quality teams, and when you look at them, Brett RPI-wise, very strong. They've got some decent pitchers, and both have lineups that can really cause problems. Yeah, especially, I mean, Virginia's lineup, it's uh, not fun to look at. I mean, 314 hitting on as a team. Um, 376 average for Geloff leads the team. He also has 19 home runs. One of the best players in the ACC. Um, UVA is 15 in RPI right now. Finished the season 17 and 13 in the ACC. I believe because of percentage points, they were behind Notre Dame. I believe Notre Dame played two less games than everyone else. Um, you know, on the mound, UVA is always going to be a, you know pretty talented on the mound. Um, you know, that's kind of what they're known for. They got a lot of arms that they go to. Um, you know, not a not a ton of you know super, you know amazing starters, but they're just deep. Um, Savino, I believe, is their Friday guy. He's four oh three ERA. Brian Gursky is a three three two ERA, um, and he's seven and one. Um, outside of that, they don't really have a defined third starter. Jake Berry has started eight games, but he's also made eighteen appearances. So um, the Cavaliers, um, their offense is going to be ready to go. I mean, I think they have. Six guys, I mean, yeah, six guys that are hitting over 300, six qualified hitters hitting over 300, um, 72 home runs as a team, uh, I believe 497 slug as a team. That's pretty, that's pretty ridiculous um, as, a, as a whole team and 414 on-base percentage. Um, no reason they – I mean, no wonder they have a good, pretty good record this year. Yeah, that offense is real. It's going to play well, I think, in this park and – Hubbard's going to have to be awesome. I really think Bryce is going to come, have to come out and give you one of those Bryce Hubbard starts that we've all seen him make where he really looks like one of the best pitchers in the ACC. And he's capable of it. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to act like it would be a surprise if he came out here tomorrow and was insane. I think he can do it. His stuff is phenomenal. But now you need him to do it, right? Like you need him to be one of the dogs in that clubhouse because you're relying on him now going into the postseason. So – um, I am really excited about this matchup. I think it's a must-win for Florida State for a lot of reasons, um, not just to advance in this tournament, which the weird uh, rules and the pods and how they work. You can't Florida State can't advance if they go one and one. They got to go two and zero oh to make the semifinals. So, Bryce Hubbard, the ball's in your glove. It's in your hands. Let's get going. Yeah, and so if if FSU wins this game, I would think they face Bertrand from Notre Dame. Um, you know, if they lose that get that. If FSU loses to Virginia, that game means nothing for for Notre Dame because Notre Dame would only have to beat Virginia to move on um, as Notre Dame's the highest seed in the pool. Um, so they only need to beat the team that beat the other lower seed. But, um, and, you know, I think we're pretty familiar with, with Notre Dame. Um, between playing them last year and this year, a lot of the same names. Um, you know, that, that bullpen for them is, is ridiculous. you got to jump on them early if you're trying to beat them. Um, you know, all those guys, all those hard-thrown righties out at the back end. Um, you know, Roman Kimball, the, the freshman, um, has struggled a bit this year, but he's, you know, he shut down FSU as well at the, at the back end of the game in, in that weekend. Um, you know, Alex Rau, hard-thrown righty, 
uh, McClinsky hard-throwing righty, uh, Austin Temple, one of their other starters, is a hard-throwing righty. Um, they kind of they're very different than the starters they have. A lot of start, the starters they have are the long relief arms, um, are lefties that like to throw the ball um, at all four quadrants of the zone and just pitch all over the place. But, um, you know, it's just a really, really solid team, a really um, fundamentally sound team. Uh, 61 stolen bases, 981 fielding percentage, 300 average. Um, you know, we've seen the last two years from playing them. There's just, they're just a really good team, really sound baseball club. For sure, and they beat you three times this year and, and made sure to let you know um, that, that they were ready to play baseball. I thought they were just, like you said, well-rounded, complete, made very few mistakes, and swept you in Tallahassee this year. So Notre Dame's going to be tough. I, again, this is the toughest pod out here in the tournament in Charlotte, and Florida State's going to have to play at a high level. Parker is going to get the ball against them. was fantastic the first time, obviously, and, and had one of the best starts of his career. Uh, are you worried about Notre Dame getting to see him a second time this season? Uh, I mean, the way that Parker pitched against them in the first one, it, it, it's hard to worry. I mean, because he just straight up dominated them. Like, it just – it was just – like, they had no chance against Par- against Parker. I mean, Parker was mixing and matching and doing this and that. And, um, you know, I just think Parker's going to be revved up and ready to go a bit. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll have a really good game plan for him, but I'm sure FSU also – try to do stuff very different than the first time they did with Parker, I would think, just to kind of combat that that scouting report that, that Notre Dame has from game one. But, you know, I mean, part, they faced Parker last year, too, and they weren't able to get to him in the first game this year, so um, we'll see. But it, it will be his third start in, you know, in two years against, against the Irish. All right, what do you want to talk about now? I think we've got some some fan questions. Is there anything else that we had jotted down other than answering the questions that, that we wanted to do? think so i think we're good okay well, let's get to the mailbag then brett uh, we're using my phone to record so i'll i'll let you kind of pull up the 24 7 website and twitter uh, and ask away yeah i think um here we go did you not did not having an established sunday starter have a negative impact on the ability to identify a reliable closer um you know i think it had a, a good bit of an impact just because i think we both think that Carson Montgomery can close games, but he just hasn't really been given that opportunity this year outside of, a, you know, a couple of really small samples. Um, you know, it really shouldn't have any effect on guys like Davis Hare and Wyatt Crowell, though. Um, but just the way that you've, you've kind of gotten nothing out of that spot for the second half of the season, you, you've had to you've had to use a lot of guys out of your bullpen in ways, you know, you're using Wyatt Crowell in, in long long outings. You're using Connor Whitaker in long outings. You're using a lot of these guys in extended outings because you're not getting to that back end of the game from that third starter. So I think it's definitely impacted it in a way or two. Um, but I mean, it's all 2020. We don't know exactly how this season would have gone if, 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 if things were if guys were in different spots. But um, the way it went was kind of probably the the least beneficial way you could have done it. I think. Yeah, for me and. And I agree with you as well in a lot of the comments you made. But if Ross Dunn does solidify that Sunday spot and he gives you something that you can rely on for the whole season, I do wonder would they have moved Carson into the closer role after the midweek games ended or – you know what I mean? Like I think yeah. if Ross had given you that peace of mind in game threes, you, the question you're asking naturally is, well, now what do I do with Carson? 
and then maybe the season would have evolved in a way where Carson's your closer late in games, and um, that's best case scenario, right? Again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But so you know, to answer that question, yeah, I do think not having a solidified number three hurt you this season. I really do. I think last year Connor Grady was a blessing. Yeah, I think we kind of overlooked in the middle of the season how big Ross struggling and coming out of the rotation was a little bit. Just because you know you have so many arms and you're so deep, so it feels like you'll be able to replace him easily. But it's it's very hard to find that third consistent starter. And like you mentioned, Connor Grady last year. I think we had said it in the time that we don't. You know, he is so valuable, but you don't even realize how valuable it is until you don't have that third guy anymore. And, um, you know, another question here we kind of talked about a little is about Connor Whitaker and if he's shown enough to be the third starter. And I think he has because he would give you that Connor Grady type consistency. I mean, the first time I saw Whitaker, I kind of told my buddy that I thought he was Connor Grady, like 2.0, you know, the slider's not as good, but it's that three pitch mix for strikes with some sink. Everything moves. Change is really good. Um, can get lefties and get righties out. Um, yeah, that would be my guy moving forward at least. I don't know about you, but that would be my guy. I would like them to consider Connor Whitaker going forward. But if they don't, that's why I've been pairing guys together, right? Like if you could have a Scalaro-Whitaker combo, whichever guy can go four, the other guy comes in for two or three right after him and is able to shut the door, then maybe you have Ross come in for an inning or two. And I know Ross didn't look good this weekend in Chapel Hill, but – you know, I still believe in the bullpen. Rosses can be valuable for you moving into the postseason. But the big issue is we have like we haven't seen these things. So can you do it now? Because if you do it now, Connor Whitaker is going to be making his first career start in the postseason. Just like we talked about earlier this week off the podcast was just like, like at this point, can you even really do it because you haven't done it yet? Like at this point, can you even move Carson to closer or Ross to closer? Because you haven't. I mean, you've had small, small, small sample sizes you don't actually know if guys can do these things. And it's just like, like with Armstrong at Florida, we're still trying to figure out if he can do that. Cause we don't, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him do it before. It's just like, that's why I think you got to start giving guys more opportunities early in the season um, and have these things figured out. Um, flip over to Twitter here. Got a lot of questions. Um, do we need Bryce to go deep tomorrow? Or can we beat UVA with a bullpen game? I think you need Bryce to go deep more so than anything to just set a tone. I don't know if that even makes sense, but like you just need you need Bryce to set a tone and and be who he can be. I think we saw at BC what really Bryce can be and we saw early in the year what Bryce can be. But you know, outside of that, it's you know, there haven't been a ton of starts in the last couple months that I felt like this is Bryce Hubbard. Like I'll give him my I'll give him Miami too. I thought Yes, yeah. I thought Miami, yeah. he was fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was very good against Miami, too, and defense got his pitch count up. Those two starts, thought he looked like himself. The couple, the, you know, the, like the four or five weeks before that, I just didn't think Bryce looked like himself and was a little off. But um, the thing is, I mean, you need him to go deep, too, because at the end of the day, if you're going to try and win this tournament, you need a lot of fresh arms. Because to get through four games here against these teams and these offenses, it's going to be a grind. Yeah. If the goal of the week is to get to the title game at the very minimum, then yes, you're going to have to have Bryce pitch at a very high level and get you deep into the contest. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a very long answer. Um, do you think we'll ever see Jaime behind the plate asking for a helmet, friend? Thank you, Jaime's helmet. Um, I don't know. Um, obviously not this year. He hasn't been back there in forever. and I'm going to have to see Jaime back there. Um, you know, I think he's going to catch a bit in the summer. 
um, going summer ball and try to figure some things out behind the plate. Jaime's issue back there was just his receiving um, struggled with some, you know, velocity and movement sometimes. Um, real athletic back there though, and the arm's always going to play. Um, and you want an athlete like that behind the plate these days with the way pitchers throw. And but you got to be able to handle it. Um, and he just wasn't able to do that in the fall and the preseason. So, um, and you know, I think for the most part, we've seen a good developmental, uh, I mean, a de- good development of him defensively in right field. I know he had the drop ball at Florida, um, but outside of that. You know, I think Jaime's done a good job out there. Um, so I don't know for sure. I, w- I would like to see him catch a couple games before I make a definitive call. As of right now, I'd probably say I don't think so. I think he'll be an outfielder, but um, just got to see it again. He's got to develop a bit more there. Yeah, I'll trust your judgment on that better. Um, I will say I've been impressed with him in right. So if you have something there that's working, unless he becomes an excellent catcher, in my opinion, I would just try and figure out another answer at catcher and – keep what you got going in right field because the arm's real and I think he has pretty good range too um, out there especially at Hauser he, he plays that really well um, yeah that's all I got for, for Jaime someone asked how about not having a consistent lineup and explaining me to reasoning um, you know I, I, I totally get the reasoning behind it every day you're trying to find the right matchups who can hit the guy that's pitching on the mound who can complement each other well um, you know but at the end of the day at some point you've, you've got to find a mix that works for you and, uh, you know, roll out nine guys consistently that can go and get you wins every day. Um, I'm a person that, that does believe in platoons. You know, I think I, Isaiah Perry and, and those type of guys need to be playing against lefties. Um, but, you know, even with righties, I mean, day to day, if you have a right-handed pitcher back-to-back days with this team, you're most likely not seeing the same lineup on back-to-back days. And you might see completely different guys, completely different order. Um, for me, there's a lot of guys in spots that don't make sense. You know, Reese Albert and hitting somewhere from three to five does not make sense to me um, because that's he, he just doesn't fit that role. He's not a run producer. He's only driven in 20 runs this year. Hasn't hit a home run all year. I think he's only hit one ball off the wall. But Reese is good to have. I think he'd be a good eight, seven, eight hitter because he pushes your order ahead of a single or a double. Um, you know, for example, if there's two outs in an inning, no one on base, you know, he gets a single. And he at least pushes you to nine, which flips over the order for the next inning. Um, you know, I know Alex Terrell has struggled a lot this year. But at the end of the day, Alex is going to be one of your main run producers, and he's hitting eight with absolutely no protection in the lineup. And teams don't have to throw balls in the zone to him because, one, if he does not chase them, then he's on base and he's kind of plugging up the base pass, and there's no one behind him that can really drive him in with a home run. Um, the other thing is you just – I mean – Alex, if he gets balls in the zone, then he's going to do some damage, but there's no reason to throw to him in the zone with no one behind him and with the fact that he's probably going to chase a lot of change-ups below the zone. Um, it's just it's a lot of guys in weird spots. I think Brett Roberts has struggled with guys on base, but he's gotten on base at a high level, and he's, he's obviously a very good hitter, but for some reason he's just struggled with guys on base, but he consistently hits four through six. When he's hit second, he's had a lot of success. I don't really know why he hasn't hit second all year. I thought that would make a lot of sense for him. Um, it just, it's, yeah, it's the lineups. I know Aria doesn't, Aria doesn't really love the fact that they, they change so much day in and day out. I just don't think you'd let people get comfortable in their roles. And, and you touched on it a little bit, you know, lineup protection, uh, guys who hit better with different splits, uh, the pitch selection that they get because of who's hitting in front, who's hitting behind, what situation. I think there's a number of things 
that I would have loved to see. I wish Trayton Rank would play more. I'd like to see his versatility in the lineup, especially when he gets on base. He has the ability to cause havoc. It's something you've said you wanted in your lineup for a couple of years, right? You want the ability to put pressure on defenses. I think Rank does that. Brock Mathis, they got to find him at bats. I just, I think his, I think his bat can change a game. Um, I don't think it's as complex as some people do of finding a way to get him in. Um, but again, I'm not the coach, so we're just giving our opinions here. Um, Terrell, I would really like to see him get going because I, I did expect more this season from him. You know, now watching a whole regular season, the power numbers are about what I thought we would get from him. But the strikeouts are far more than I thought we would get from him. And so um, I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, I don't think you can completely take his bat out of the lineup because you don't have a lot of thump in the lineup. And, and you need that jolt that can really spark a game. We've seen it a couple times this season, Brett. He hits a home run, it changes the offense, right? It changes the momentum of the game. And the Knowles end up usually doing well when Alex Terrell homers in a ball game. Yeah, so... What I would do with Brock is I would catch Brock on the days that Bryce Hubbard and Jackson Ballmeister are starting, or maybe even a Connor Whitaker, on the days that you know Carson Ross um, and Parker throw. I would start Colton and you know interchange them the way you need to with the bullpen guys. But and you know the other thing is I wouldn't start Brock at first base on the days that a lefty is thrown. I would actually start trading Rank at first and put Brett Roberts at second. I didn't really understand. You know, DHing Brett and playing Brock at first. Um, I get that Brett struggles with the double play throw, but how many times does that happen versus how many times is the ball thrown to first base that your first baseman needs to pick and catch and have good footwork around the base, and he just hasn't done that much. Brett Roberts has played second base his whole life, and I believe his fielding percentage is above 960 this year. Um, I mean, you just got to trust that kid to use his athleticism to go and make plays. I think that would make that a little better for you. A um, couple more questions we'll try to get to. Can I touch on one last thing in the yeah, lineup? Yeah, go for it. Not having Tyler Martin healthy all season long I think has hurt you. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's the table setter. And I know Carrion's had some bright moments there. Um, they've tried different answers. I just think if Tyler Martin was healthy and you were getting the true T-Mart that he has shown you he can be when he is 100%, I think that changes your offense because of getting on base followed by a couple guys that I think could continue momentum. But him being in and out of the lineup, and we saw him a couple times this weekend, he just doesn't look right, right? Yeah. Like like lefty-lefty looks uncomfortable for him. The Ks are up for, for Tyler Martin, and we know that's one of his strong suits is making contact. So he's not right, very clear, and I think it's hurt your lineup. And more so than anything, you're, it's made the pieces a lot harder to fit. Tyler Martin's not – your prototypical DH. Um, and it makes it very hard to move pieces around when he is the DH. But you also need his bat in there. It's just, that's one of the, like, I mean, there's, for me, there's like four main things that really get this thing, stop this thing from really getting going. And I think that's one of the big things. But, I mean, I mean, I don't think, I don't really know what's going on there. I know he's had a bit of a heel injury. He's still dealing with the shoulder. He still can't play defense, still can't throw. Um, from an injury that happened last February. Um, you know, there's days that he's available. There's days that he's not. One day he's jumping around. The next day he's in a boot. Um, yeah, it's just there's, there's a lot going on there that I don't really know exactly what, what to make of it. Um, I think we had one more question. Uh, what, regional would you like you, what regional would you guys like to see us in 
doesn't have to be one where we are projected for us. It could just be a place you'd like to see us play. Um, I don't know. There's certain places I don't want to go, that's for sure. Tennessee? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for a regional, yeah, definitely not. Oh, my God. But I don't want to see them at any point. You know, I would be in Omaha. I don't know. Maybe Auburn we go. I think Auburn is a place that is certainly a place we could be at. I would put that above 50%. I don't really want to go to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, only because I don't want to go to Mississippi for the second straight year. Um, you know, I mean, it. I don't know. It, Maryland, please. College Park. Georgia Southern is a possibility as a host. I wouldn't mind going there. I mean, we've already beat them once this year. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, Georgia Southern's a better team than you, but you're more talented than them. Than them and You'd have you, more fans. Yeah. Probably in Statesboro. What's that, like a three-and-a-half-hour drive, I think, I from think Tallahassee? So. Yeah, I don't really know exactly. I mean, it's just so weird with the hosts right now. There's just, after the first eight, it's just so, like, wishy-washy with who's going to be in there. If LSU makes a run in Hoover and earns a regional spot, I could see Florida State being in that regional. Um, If the Gators make a late run in Hoover, you know, they win the SEC title somehow, the conference tournament, I could see Florida State being a two-seed in Gainesville. Uh, I joked and said Maryland College Park Regional. I just... Don't buy Maryland. I'm not sure that they're very good. We'll see. Uh, but I wouldn't hate being in their regional. Um, I don't know that, uh, you know, based on history and what the what the committee has done in the past, Auburn seems like a very safe bet for Florida State to go to. It just They've sent Auburn to Tallahassee before. Um, there's three schools, I always joke, that Florida State plays a ton, right, in the regionals. I'm not kidding you here. It's Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn. Obviously, Mississippi State and Alabama not very good this year. But in years past, it feels like the committee would just kind of overly put them in FSU's regionals. So I think now FSU being sent to Auburn could happen. I'm not sure they would send us to Athens again if Georgia somehow found a way to sneak into a regional bid. Um, Yeah, I think... I think I'd be shocked, if, actually, if it wasn't Auburn. If FSU really is available to be put in the Auburn Regional, the NCAA could literally bust Florida State three hours to Auburn, and that would save a ton of money, too. So. Yeah, I, I don't really think they would send FSU to a small school like Georgia Southern just because, like, ratings. I don't know. I feel like Georgia Tech would get sent to Georgia Southern, don't I, you? Like a yeah. GT, UGA, Georgia Southern? I guess personally, just off, like, I don't know. I would like to go to Texas A&M just to go there. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to play Texas as a two-seed or someone like that. And that would be a freaking loaded regional. You're not missing much, man, at College Station, I promise. No. But, I mean, it's just, like... Better than Hattiesburg, right? Do I really want to go to, like... I don't even know if I want to go to Auburn either, though. I could see Hattiesburg. Uh, I could. I, don't, I know you're not going to like hearing that, but... It just depends on what teams do this week. Can we just play regionals at home? Good gosh. Well, the way to do that is to win four games this week and give yourself a shot. But I think the Knowles have, have caused a lot of damage already. So, unfortunately, it's going to take a 4 a week just to be back in the conversation. And, and that might not be good enough. So, we'll see. Um, all right, 3 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Uh, Brett and I will maybe do an instant react of maybe one or the two games. We're not sure yet. If, if it warrants it, we'll do one. If not, we'll talk to you before regionals get announced or maybe right after regionals get announced. That should happen, what, Monday? Yeah, it's like a Monday so. at noon or yeah, something like that. So. so we want to thank you guys for listening again all year through the good and the bad. We do appreciate you. We're on Spotify, 
We're on Apple Pods. We're on Google and everywhere else that you get your favorite podcasts. And keep asking us questions. Send us emails. Tweet at us. And uh, until next time, we will talk to you soon. For Brett Nevitt, I'm Mario Masuti from Charlotte. We'll sign off.